0: We as American citizens should have the right to read even if there's some material that we find controversial or concerning.
1: Coming up on Carolina Connection, as some schools around the country ban books, UNC commemorated First Amendment Day by reading them out loud. Good morning, I'm Sierra Pfeiffer. And I'm Savannah Gunter. Also this week,
2: a new roadside marker remembers when UNC was a World War II flight school. Chapel Hill police say their headquarters building is falling apart, so they may be moving soon. And students with dietary restrictions share their struggles eating at UNC's dining halls.
3: I don't know about you, but I don't really want to eat grilled chicken, rice, and corn every single day that I'm on campus. From
1: the UNC Hussman School of Journalism and Media, this is Carolina Connection. Thanks for joining
2: us. We begin this week talking about banned books. Every year, UNC Libraries devotes the last week of September to celebrate the freedom to read with discussions on censorship, banned book readings, and other events. This year, it had added significance because school and public libraries are under pressure to remove controversial books from their shelves reporter Sia Zhang has the story.
4: Francesca Tripoli is assistant professor in the School of Information and Library Science and also in charge of the event. She gave the speech at the beginning.
3: Today I have the honor of kicking off the Freedom to Read event, which is a small part of a larger thing happening today, the First Amendment Day. It's so exciting to see so many theses here today gathered around such an important topic.
4: Li is a professor at the School of Information and Library Science. He has participated in the Ben books reading event several times. This year, he brought House 5.
5: The creatures were friendly and they could see in four dimensions. They pitied earthlings for being able to see only three. They had many wonderful things to teach earthlings, especially about time.
4: He says that part of the reason he chose Flutterhouse 5 is that he doesn't understand why school districts in New York, Florida, and Michigan has banned the book and seen the book as too objectionable to read.
5: You know, one passage in a book might trigger somebody to be very upset about it. Whereas many other passages in the book might help people connect and recognize they have things in common and that they really share in a common humanity.
4: Lee chose the book also because of his personal connection to it. He has been heavily influenced by his father, who's a professional writer and an avid reader.
5: He had a big collection of them and he would hand them to me at different points in my life when I was kind of looking for something to read. And so when I was in junior high, he gave me one of his uh, Kurt Vonnegut books and said, oh, I think you might, you know, really connect with this now.
4: Victoria Neff is a second year master's student in the School of Information in Library Science. She likes to read romance fiction in her spare time. So the books he read was The Hate You Gave by N.G. Thomas.
0: I out your hoodie seven, I mumble. It's random, but it's better than nothing. The blue one.
4: Neff explains that book has been banned in schools in the U.S. as people condemn the book's sensitive
0: topics. I think that some school districts and, other, and public libraries have banned the book because some groups feel that it is um, like anti-police. But I, I hope if you were to actually read the book all the way through, you would find um, that it's a very powerful, gripping story. She also says that she hopes through this event, people can care more about the right of speech. I think that people should care about Banned Book Week and the activities associated with it just because we as American citizens should have the right to read. Even if there's some material that we find controversial or concerning, we should tr- try whenever possible to read the whole book and hopefully see like the merit of the overall story. Harry Hoy is another
4: graduate student. He says that he's interested in the event because he thinks as a future library information professional, he has to be tuned into these current events.
6: I think for me, being a graduate student in many ways is a privilege. It's a time and space to learn and think and be curious.
4: Hoy likes poetry and the book he picked to read was Leaves of Grass. Hoi says that he chose this poem not only because he loves poetry, but also because he found interesting about how same-sex relationships were discussed by an American poet in the 1900s.
6: As a, a gay man myself, a queer person, I wanted to represent that in my choice today.
4: Besides Ban Book's rating, there have been different kinds of events happening during the Ban Book Week, which highlight the importance of free speech and the role of First Amendment in the life of Carolina students and faculties. In Chapel Hill, I'm Sia The House of Representatives this week voted
1: 216 to 210 to remove California Republican Kevin McCarthy from his position as House Speaker. The vacancy at the top of the House means Congress can't do anything, including passing a budget with a possible government shutdown coming next month. Here with us today to talk about the local perspective is Democratic Congressman Wiley Nickel. Nickel is serving his first term in Congress as representative of the 13th District of North Carolina, which includes Wake, Wayne, Johnston, and Harnett counties. Thank you for joining us.
7: It's great to be with you, Sierra.
1: So first, I wanted to ask... Do you know how this might affect legislation um, that could impact the triangle or just North Carolina in general?
7: Yeah, I mean, it's it's grinding things to a halt. We have uh, we're about to have a a federal government shutdown just uh, last weekend, and uh, we were able to avoid that with a temporary 45 day funding bill. But uh, November 17th, we're right back at the same deadline for funding the government. So we have um, immediate work we need to do in the next Four weeks to avoid a government shutdown, so that that would hit everyone hard in in my congressional district and in North Carolina. And I can tell you, just in, in my district, you know, North Carolina's thirteenth district, we have sixty five hundred federal employees, forty nine thousand veterans, seventeen thousand on WIC, hundred thousand seniors, and thousands of active duty service members. All of them would be tremendously affected if we have a federal government shutdown.
1: Is it something you expected as your first with your first year in Congress?
7: No, I did not have this on my bingo card. Uh, just amazing. I mean, we had, it took 15 rounds of voting to elect a speaker uh, during my first week in Congress, and the chaos and confusion we're seeing is is, uh, is just stunning. And I think it's, I think really it's it, what it, it says a lot about the Republican Party right now. They haven't been able to get on the same page during this Congress, and, and we just haven't been able to to move the bills that, that we need to, need to move for... For the American people. So, you know, if you you look at the amount of things we've actually accomplished in this Congress, it's very little in terms of things that we've moved uh, from the House to the Senate to the the president's desk. And we got to get to work. And we have really pressing issues. And there are a lot of things that Democrats and Republicans, you know, agree on. The problem is these far right extremists have been blocking uh, so much of that.
1: Why should voters and especially young voters remain interested and invested in politics when Washington can seem so dysfunctional like this?
7: Yeah. I, you know, most people, they just want to throw their hands up in the air uh, when they see the the chaos and confusion and, you know, it's hard to see uh, the things happening that we need to do when you're someone like me who looks at, you know, voting rights being turned around, you know, no, no answer in sight on gun control. Healthcare costs are way too high. We're not doing nearly enough to fight the climate crisis, and and we've got uh, a rollback of women's reproductive healthcare rights for the first time in fifty years. So you know a lot is on the line, and and what I would say to young voters especially is is, is you you frankly are the difference. Um, but uh, young voters uh, don't turn out as much as the as older voters do, and and. And But they're overwhelmingly in support of all the things I talked about. And if, if young voters come out, they can be the difference in the next presidential election, in control of Congress, in control of the Senate, because they believe in these things. But they've got to get out there and vote. And if they don't, um, we're going to continue to move in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah, it sounds like your call to action is to go to the polls.
7: That's it. Lo- love it, hate it, whatever you think. You, know, you get a chance to vote and... Um, Uh, you know, younger voters truly can be the difference in this next election.
1: Thank you so much for joining me today, um, Congressman Nichols.
7: You bet. You bet. Have a good one.
1: Democratic Congressman Wiley Nickel spoke to us from his office in Wake County. According to The Washington Post, more and more students
2: are coming into college with food allergies and campus dining halls may not be keeping up. Carolina Connection's Sophia Cassini introduces us to some UNC students who say they struggle to find dining hall food they can safely eat.
3: So, we are in Chase Dining Hall. My name is Abby. I am a junior at UNC. I live on campus, but I do not have a meal plan, silly because they don't have a ton of options um, for me to eat. I am gluten-free, so I can't have any bread-related product. So I'm going to walk you through Chase Dining Hall and tell you what I can and cannot eat. This is Abby Gouch,
8: a junior at UNC, majoring in psychology and human development and family. Her gluten intolerance causes stomach pains and mental fog.
3: So the signs that are above all of these uh, stations as you walk around will have the allergens listed on them. Anything that has the yellow like gluten-like sign means that it's made without gluten. Um, as you can see, it's mostly just like heirloom tomatoes and vegan cheddar cheese. Uh, the We're at the hamburger bar right now. They say that they have like gluten-free hamburger rolls. I've asked. They never do.
8: She also can't eat at the international food station or the pizza station. Even some foods that you might not think would be problems, like sauces, often contain gluten as a thickening agent. Carolina Dining Services says there's always an allergy-friendly station in the dining halls. But Gouch says there's no variety.
3: It's really the same exact like three or four things just cycled through each other. I don't know about you, but I don't really want to eat grilled chicken, rice, and corn every single day that I'm on campus. Like eventually that becomes boring. Eventually I want something else.
8: Noelle Margaret Harris, a UNC sophomore intending to major in clinical laboratory science, found the allergy friendly station to be unreliable. When she did pay for a meal plan, she had to schedule everything around eating. She said she had to arrive at the dining hall at 4.55 p.m. each day, five minutes before it opened, to get food she could eat before it ran out. There was a lot of demand, like incredibly
2: long lines for this one station. And I'm not really sure whether all these people had allergies or if they just liked the food at this one station, um, but I heard that a lot of people like it because it was one of the stations that served healthier food. So I'm thinking if maybe we just have more healthy food in general, it would be
8: like the allergen-friendly food wouldn't run out as much. But Once Noelle ventured outside of the allergen-friendly station, and the result was disastrous. She developed stomach problems so severe that she went to the ER. She says she still doesn't know what triggered the reaction.
2: That I'm just like, what did I eat? What did I eat? What did I eat that caused my stomach to become so messed up?
8: Carolina Dining Services said no one was available for an interview. But the director of dining, Kristen Flowers, issued a written statement. It said students can use the online menu to filter for allergens and dietary preferences. It also noted that dedicated stations in the dining halls offer allergy-free foods. And it encouraged students who need help to speak with a CDS dietitian or the chef or manager on duty. But both of the students we talked with have decided to just stop eating in the dining halls. They've terminated their meal plans and opted to cook for themselves in their dorms. Here's Abby Gouch.
3: I was talking to my dad and I was like, I can't do it again. Like, we might as well just, you know, split up the money we would have spent on my meal plan and just send it to me and put it in my bank account so I can go shopping for myself and like use like the kitchen on my hall and you know go to different restaurants on Franklin Street because Franklin Street is way more accessible than the dining hall ever is.
8: Cooking for yourself requires additional resources, like time, cookware and utensils, and transportation to get to grocery stores. But these students said that that's the only way to ensure they eat a varied diet and stay away from the food that makes them sick. In Chapel Hill, this is Sophia Cazzini.
1: Now for a bit of UNC history. During World War II, aerial combat became just as important as having troops on the ground and ships at sea. During the war, UNC had a pre flight school where many young pilots learned to fly. Now, the state of North Carolina is commemorating that history with a historic marker on Franklin Street. Carolina Connections' Henry Taylor
9: reports. On Saturday, September 30th, both aging veterans and actively serving military members from UNC Chapel Hill gathered on campus for the dedication of a new roadside historical marker. Welcome to the ceremony for the historical marker
7: for the Navy Pre-Flight School at Chapel Hill. I'm Parker Hewitt. I'm grandson of one of the pre-flight schools' cadets who went on to fight in the
9: Pacific in World War II. The pre-flight school at UNC educated and trained future pilots for the U.S. Air Force during the Second World War. Parker Hewitt's grandfather was one of these cadets, which is why he applied to have the marker installed. While he initially began researching the school because of this personal tie, he discovered many more factors that led him to believe it was deserving of a historical marker.
7: I dug into it, and when I learned about you know, the various presidents that spent time here, the rigor of the program, the scale of it, this
9: the sheer number of people that went through, the impact on UNC, I thought this is a story that really needed to uh, be, be told. The dedication ceremony featured three speakers besides Hewitt, UNC Provost Chris Clemens noted some important American historical figures that personally went through the pre-flight school in Chapel Hill. The brave Americans who joined what was called the V-12 program, over 20,000 of them, including Presidents Gerald Ford and George Herbert Walker Bush, fought for an idea that changed the course of history for the good. Ronald Reagan was here too, serving as entertainment for the cadets before they moved out of Chapel Hill into the fray. At UNC,
5: we are proud of that tradition.
9: Retired Rear Admiral Samuel J. Cox said that one of the main purposes of the pre-flight school was to prepare pilots for the extremely taxing nature of flying a fighter
10: plane. Uh, But a lot of it had to do with, with the physical training of these aviators under the sense that the aviators' pilots were college guys uh these weren't the guys who worked on the farms or coal mine or steel workers there was a sense that even in the navy leadership that these were a bunch of softies who who needed to be toughened up
9: the program was purposefully difficult in order to weed out those who were more likely to end up crashing their planes
10: and about a quarter of them didn't make it through Uh, and this was considered to be by the navy to be an acceptable rate of attrition uh, because one that probably saved that person's life or his wingman's life, uh, and save the Navy twenty thousand more dollars of putting him through the rest of flight training.
9: After reviewing the application, the North Carolina Highway Historical Marker Program approved and then installed the marker. Program Administrator Leslie Leonard said that in order to approve a new marker, the applicant must meet specific parameters.
3: Our North Carolina Highway historical markers have to demonstrate statewide significance. It cannot just be local history. Um, So whoever applies for a marker needs to be able to provide primary and secondary sources to um, demonstrate that they can meet that criteria for statewide significance.
9: She said that ceremonies like the one on Saturday are very important to applicants.
3: It takes about a year from application to the marker going up. So the folks that are putting on these dedication ceremonies have really invested a lot of their time and resources.
9: For Hewitt, that dedication has paid off in an event that he was proud of. In Chapel Hill, I'm Henry Taylor.
2: The Chapel Hill Police Department says its headquarters are in disrepair. Not only does the building sit on top of old coal ash, but the police chief says there are water leaks and mildew issues. So, the town is planning to move the department to a temporary home in an iconic East Chapel Hill building. Carolina Connections' Kensley
11: Browdy has more. Chapel Hill Police Department Chief Leahy says the police department headquarters are in brutal condition.
10: At 41 years old, our building is in significant disrepair and in dire need of costly maintenance. We've been patient as we've looked for a new space to accommodate us. Our current building is 23,000 square feet, and we have long since outgrown that. The police department building is located in central Chapel Hill.
11: With the conditions that have been shared by workers, the town has searched for a new building. With the lack of current land available, the town has identified the former Blue Cross Blue Shield building as a temporary home for the police department. The new location is off of Fordham Boulevard near the Durham County line. It can be leased for 10 years to give the town time to decide what the future for the current building is. Deputy Town Manager Mary Jane Nerdlinger says leasing was the most time efficient.
0: Leasing allows us
3: time to right size the Municipal Services Center project. We can consider changes in um, workspace and you know hybrid work and all of those things. It also lets us explore options for the other departments in the Municipal Services Center. I will note that none of those other um, departments or units are in situations as bad as the police departments.
11: But the former Blue Cross Blue Shield building is on the edge of town, so it will take some Chapel Hill residents longer to get there. Local activist and blogger John Reese says that could be a problem.
7: There really isn't that much developable land in town. As a citizen of Chapel Hill, I would want them to have a facility that is is central and easily easily reached to all locations of Chapel Hill equally.
11: While the former Blue Cross Blue Shield building is not in the center of Chapel Hill, Nerdlinger says how the police department move is a priority for the town.
3: Tonight's conversation is about finding a home for the police department. That's the critical problem that we would like to solve. The
11: town hopes to find a building that will help improve the safety and workload of the town police staff. Chief LeHue says the conditions of the building
10: have been troubling. A member of our professional staff arrived to work to find her computer destroyed from a water leak. Our generator failed the last, during the last weather event, compromising our record system. Late last week, I pulled a uniform out of my uh, locker to find it full, full of mildew. Despite the conditions, Chief Leahy says the police force has still honored the morals of protecting the community. Our guardians will always lead with our town values of respect but we are compromising the value of safety by remaining in this building. The
11: department move is set to happen by the summer of 2024. The move of the police department will allow workers to have a safer workplace and more efficient workflow for the staff. In Chapel Hill, I'm Kinsley Braddy.
2: You're listening to Carolina Connection. UNC's student-produced newscast. I'm Savannah Gunter. And I'm Sierra Pfeiffer. October can be a scary time for students, and we're not talking about Halloween. Trying to register for next semester's classes can be a frightful experience because of a registration system that even UNC officials acknowledge is outdated. W.H. Hayes reports on what the university is trying to do about it.
12: It's the middle of October as UNC Chapel Hill students gear up to juggle another worry: registration. In one month's time, the furious typing and clicking on the registration website Connect Carolina will end in students being enrolled in the classes they will attend in the spring semester next year. Need to connect we shall wait Come on, buddy. The only problem with that is, as junior Alphonse Chaboy says, the process of enrollment can leave students high and
9: dry. Everyone here knows the process. You put everything in your shopping cart, You go to your enrollment day and you watch the clock tick. And the second the time changes, you press enroll and pray you get in. But I know freshman year and sophomore year, I think for both years, there was one or two classes that I ever got into. And then it was a mad dash to find what else was open.
12: Connect Carolina being less than ideal is not a new concept. Even the Vice Provost for Enrollment, Rachel Feldman, told the Board of Trustees last month that the system needs a makeover.
2: The underlying system we have is highly functional, it does a lot of things,
12: and it's ugly.
6: Students do not like to use it,
12: and so they will avoid it, and that's part of the problem. Feldman and her team are gearing up to improve the experience on Connect Carolina and to take the pressure off getting into classes during the academic year beyond how it looks. The next thing we want is to purchase a piece of integrated software it lives and
2: integrates with our system that allows students to do multi-term schedule planning. So they can put in like their shopping cart and it'll have paths that it
12: suggests and multiple courses so that we can see ahead of the semester start. The changes in the process already in effect include an overhaul of the waitlist system for students and the introduction of email notifications of enrollment. For junior Taijia Drew Howell, this makes her optimistic.
6: One thing that I saw was that we're now gonna be getting confirmations about our uh, enrollment, which I think is amazing because it's kind of disappointing going there and looking and then you're not in the class. So it would be nice to see, oh, you're in the class with an email. For
12: students, registration seems to always be a time filled with stress and what-ifs. Hopefully, with these and future changes, that stress might go away. In Chapel Hill, I'm WHAs.
2: Now for sports. Joining us today is the Daily Tar Heels sports managing editor, Lucas Tome. Lucas, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, less than a month ago, the NCAA declared Tez Walker ineligible to play on UNC's football team, but on Thursday afternoon, he was told he was immediately eligible. So how does that happen?
6: Yeah, so no one quite knows like what specifically went down, but as you said, Tez Walker, wide receiver on the football team, was declared ineligible last month by the NCAA. Um, Because he was on the football teams of two other schools before coming to UNC, he had to fill out a transfer waiver to be granted immediate eligibility uh, in Chapel Hill. That waiver request was denied by the NCAA, and the subsequent appeal from Walker and UNC also failed, um, which was very controversial. Um, But on Thursday, the NCAA reversed that decision, stating that it had, uh, quote, received new information from UNC that it hadn't been made available previously um so whatever that new information was which we aren't quite sure of yet uh was ultimately uh I guess the the main factor in causing the NCAA to reverse its decision
2: interesting um well now that Walker's back um can you speak to his strengths what does he add to the Tar Heel offense
6: yeah so Walker was this stud wide receiver at Kent State where he transferred from uh, he drew national attention last year after hauling in 106 receiving yards and a touchdown against number one Georgia in a you know televi- nationally televised game last year um, and he was just all around one of the better players in the Mac conference um, so transferring to UNC especially after UNC lost their wide receiver Josh Downs the NFL draft was big and people expected him to make an immediate impact uh, he was a preseason all-ACC. Uh, all ACC selection um, and the general consensus was that he was going to be uh, an immediate uh, starter and potential star for the Tar Heels.
2: Awesome Um, so like you're saying a lot of people do seem to have some really strong feelings about the situation so what do you think that the the home game at Syracuse or against Syracuse will look like um, in terms of like fan response and also like the team morale and overall performance.
6: Yeah, I think this will be one of the more interesting things to pay attention to on Saturday. Um, obviously, as I mentioned before, the sort of all the drama surrounding Tez Walker this season was was really controversial and, and made waves online and throughout the UNC fan base. Um, even like prominent national media figures like Jay Billis and North Carolina politicians, Roy Cooper, attorney general, Josh Stein, like made social media posts and statements in support of Tez Walker and, uh, sort of the slogan free Tez had become a sort of rallying cry for UNC fans at games this year.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, and so with the the season in general, there's definitely a lot on the line with the 4-0 start. Um. So how does adding a receiver like Walker help when going deeper into that ACC play?
6: Yeah, so I think up until this point, UNC has been looking for that number one receiver. Um, people thought it might be Nate McCollum, who was another wide receiver who transferred to UNC this year from Georgia Tech. Um, but then he had a relatively, um, he, he had a quieter performance the next weekend against Pitt. So I think this UNC offense under Drake May does like to spread out the ball. And I think adding a, a, a weapon like Tez Walker to the offense that has the potential to automatically become the number one wide receiver in the offense is going to do a lot for um, the sort of air raid um, passing game that Drake May loves to, uh, loves to play in.
2: Yeah, amazing. Well, um, that was Lucas Tomei from the Daily Tar Heel. Thanks again, Lucas. Thank you so much. You may
1: not be able to tell because of the heat, but fall has made its way to Chapel Hill. Each year as the leaves change and cool breezes roll in, so too do cozy memories. Carolina Connections' and Denman spoke to UNC students about their favorite fall memories.
12: Hi, my name's Smad Runganwala. My favorite fall memory is when I was a kid, my family and I used to go up to the mountains. And One year my um, aunt and uncle who used to live in Dubai we're in town, so we took them up there and they hadn't really like seen fall leaves before because, you know, living in the Middle East. So that was really nice. Hi, my name is Deshna Anal. My favorite fall memory is trick-or-treating, like especially in
2: high school with all my friends. Like I wouldn't get too dressed up, but I thought that it was really
0: chill.
3: Hi, my name is Alyssa Knott and my favorite fall memory is going to the pumpkin patch near my house and walking around, getting a smoothie, watching all the little kids pick their pumpkins because it's really adorable, and also picking some of the muscadines they have at the pumpkin patch.
2: And that's it for this edition of Carolina Connection a production of the UNC Hussman School of Journalism and Media. Our technical director is Kevin Paris.
1: I'm Savannah Gunter. And I'm Sierra Pfeiffer. You can hear more of our stories at carolinaconnection.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and X at UNC Connection and on Facebook at Carolina Connection. Thanks for listening.